Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. So, my Saints play at 12, and we desperately need a win. Um, so, we're going to try and fly through this. Uh, so, uh, God, catch them quick. You know, get those, get those words fast. Um, supposedly, there's some Green Bay game that's happening in a couple of hours that has to happen. So, uh, we'll get you out by then at least. So let's, uh, let's pray and then let's jump into some fun today. Father God, I thank you that you are a good, good Father, that you're a good God, and you care about each and every one of us here. You care about each and every one of our lives, what we're going through, what we're overcoming, and what we're doing in regards to your plan and purpose on our lives. Father, I thank you that we're all here today to hear from you, that we're all here today to be saved, restored, healed, receive a miracle. We're all here to experience your presence in some way. And we lean on you today and ask you to show up in a mighty way. We make ourselves available to hear your voice, to receive words from you. Father, I thank you that right now that you flow through me, that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water, that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak. Father, I thank you that it's not my will, but your will be done today, Father. I thank you that we will all receive and hear your voice today and we will go out in victory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've probably all uttered the phrase, it's not possible in our lives. And there's a good chance that after we've uttered that phrase, the possibility has occurred. And humanity is probably a little overdramatic in certain areas of our lives to think it's not possible. When I was younger... Me and my brother loved playing each other in Super Nintendo and trying to beat some type of Super Mario game. And we'd be playing some level, and we would say to ourselves, it is not possible for anyone in the world to beat this level. My brother would be like, it's the first level in the first world. Calm down. It's not possible. There's no way. Whenever I was younger, I I wasn't a fan of public speaking, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still not a fan of it, um, but, you know, God's funny like that, he, he just likes being funny. When I was younger, I was homeschooled, and I got the privilege, the honor of participating in like a middle school homeschool spelling bee, big, it's like the Olympics of homeschooling. So me and two other kids <laughs> go to this back room of this church, and it's me, these two kids, their parents, or their moms and my mom, and this one lady with a dictionary. And, and we always had this, this thing every year. Um, they would do this, like, homeschool event or something, and we'd have to go up in front of this church I don't even know what we did, but we did it all the time, every year. And somehow, Mom always made us recite, like, a whole book, like Genesis, to this homeschooled group. And the mayor would show up. I don't know why, but maybe I was just preaching at a very young age, and I'd be terrified of getting up in front of people and stuttering through, uh, in the the beginning God, in in the beginning God created, and then everybody would clap and be like, oh, he's just so good, he knows one verse. So here I am, my moment, my spelling bee moment, 
to prove the land name and our genius genealogy. So we stand up there and they say, you know what, Jeremiah, you're going to go first. And I am terrified of getting up in front of literally maybe eight people max in a back room of a church that no one knows about that this moment is happening. This is my America versus Russia hockey moment. And they said, Jeremiah, we want you to spell the word case. And I look at my mom, and as I try not to throw up and cry at the same time, she gives me a little nod of assurance, like, come on, my little homeschooled boy, you can do it. And I said, see, hey, S, so close, S. For those who aren't laughing, that is not how you spell case. <laughs> it is C A S E. And the woman tells me, no, you are not correct. Go sit down. And as I've disappointed my family name and I walk to my seat, we finish the competition. And she says, in third place is Jeremiah Land. And I took my banner, my little award and I raise my hand because that's what us homeschoolers do. It's not possible. How is Jeremiah Land standing up here talking in front of humanity whenever he doesn't know how to spell or do things or freaks out in front of people? It's, it's not possible that, that we should be able to leave this planet and go to another planet and land on the moon. It's, it's not possible that my saints can be this terrible. It's not possible. But somehow the possibility happens in our lives. But I want to share with you today about something that is not possible, but that truly is not possible. There's a man that went to a garage sale, and he found this bottle. And he bought this bottle, and he brings it home. And for whatever reason, he decides to dust it off and clean it off. And as he dusts this bottle off, a genie shows up, and he says, Hey, I'm a genie. You know, you know what I do. I'll give you one wish. And he's like, oh, it's a genie. He's like, yeah, just one wish. Hurry up, i got to go. And he goes, all right, let me think. Um, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. I've always wanted, I dreamed and would love to go to Hawaii, but I'm terrified of flying. I hate flying. So what I need you to do, and here's my wish, I want you to build a bridge from California to Hawaii. And the genie says, that's, that's not possible. It's not possible. He goes, just the infrastructure alone. Maybe we can get the Van Wise on it, and they could do that. You know, they built a nice park over here, but just think of all the concrete we would have to use. We'd have to drill all the way down to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean to make these pillars. It's just not possible. Just come up with a different wish. He said, okay, I'll, I'll think of something else. He goes, okay, I, I figured it out. He goes, I've been, I've been married four times and divorced four times, and every time my wife leaves, she goes, honey, you just don't understand me. You just don't make me happy. I talk to you. I express my feelings to you. And you just don't get me at all. He goes, so my one wish, my one desire is to be married again. And for me to get married again, I wish that you would teach me the one thing that would make a woman happy forever. And the genie says, well, do you want that road or that bridge to be two lanes or four lanes? Because it's not, it's not possible. It's not now, I'm not going to lie to you. I have figured it out. I have made my wife happy more than she could even imagine. So we can talk afterwards, and I will share my wisdom with you. You're welcome. 
It's not possible. We're going to talk about Acts 2, 24. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to jump right into the middle of a sermon that the Apostle Peter is preaching the moment Pentecost has just happened. The day of Pentecost has happened. Everyone's speaking in tongues. Everybody thinks that there's a bunch of people up there that are drunk, that are hooping and hollering. And the, Peter stands up on a stage and he says, these men are not drunk. And he starts delivering one of the best sermons that he's ever delivered in his life. I would say the best sermon up to that point. He's talked a whole bunch beforehand and really hasn't said a bunch of things. But in this moment, he's empowered by God and he preaches this amazing sermon, and as soon as he gets done, it says 3,000 people are added. So I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that after I get done preaching, 3,000 people will be added to the church. Amen. Or one, a couple people. My wife, maybe. So we pick it up in this one verse where he's talking to this massive crowd in Jerusalem, and he says, whom God has raised up. He's talking about Jesus right here. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he, being Jesus, should be held by it. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. We see in the scriptures and we hear the scripture over and over and over again in 1 John 4.17. It says, because as he is, so are we. So I'm here to tell you today that if Jesus was raised as he is, so are you, then you can be raised. That if Jesus was loosed from the pains of death, I'm here to tell you today that you right now can be loosed from any type of pain or death. Because as he is, so are you. And then it says it is not possible that death, hell, and the grave, or anything, can hold him anymore. And so in conclusion, I'm going to say, if he can't be held, if it's not possible for him to be held down by anything, then you at this moment are not able to be held down by anything. That you cannot fail. Cannot fail because Jesus himself has never failed. So we're going to see the first part where it says he was raised. He was raised to stand up, to rise up, to rise from the dead. He was raised, and if he was raised, that means that we can be raised. If we go all the way back to the beginning of time, there was a man and a woman that God creates and he allows them to enjoy this garden. And I'm amazed at what God does. It says at the cool of the day, it says that God comes down to visit Adam and Eve and walk with them and talk with them every day. That God himself, sitting up on the throne of the universe of eternity, who probably has a way better TV, has a way better house, has an awesome throne, has angels that will do whatever, comes off of his throne because he wants to spend time with one man and one woman. He comes down. Because if it was me and I was God, I would say, y'all come up here. Because I'm not going to lie to you, I have some lazy tendencies, if we're going to be honest today. It's not a lot, it's not a lot. It's a little lazy though. I would sit up on my throne with my awesome ice water 
with my angels swirling around with ESPN on my TVs and hanging out. And I would say, y'all come up here. Y'all come up and visit me. I'm not going down there. But God being so loving and being so caring wants to get involved actively in a man and a woman's life and wants to get involved actively in your life, in my life. And he wants to come down at the cool of the day and spend time. But then something happens. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And we get mad at them and we yell at them. I can't believe they did that. But we probably would have done the same thing. And because that happens, we see that death, hell, and the grave and sin enter in. And all of a sudden, there's a disconnect between God and mankind. And God comes down there at the cool of the day and he says, where are you? What's going on? And all of a sudden, man doesn't know how to talk to God anymore. He says, well, I'm naked. I I hid from you. I I didn't know what to do. He says, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've never had conversations or communication like this before. Who told you? Who told you about being naked? Who told you about hiding from me? We, We meet every day. Who told you this? And all of a sudden, there's this disconnect that happens. And it applies to each and every one of us. If you've ever been a fan or seen The Walking Dead, we've all been infected. We've all died and we've all wandered around looking for somebody's blood to appease us and to heal us from our frustrations and our disconnect from humanity. And God being so gracious at that moment where he could have said, hey, I just got Adam and Eve here. Let me go ahead and kill them and let's just start over. He said, I've already got a plan. And I'm not just going to save you two. I'm going to save everyone. As he sits up there and he starts working his plan and he starts talking and interacting and making things happen and moving and things, he decides, hey, I got an idea. Let's send my son. Let's make him a man. Let's put him on the ground. Let him interact. Let him see what it's like. And he sends his son and his son walks among humanity again. Here he is coming down from heaven above and he's coming down and he's saying, everything that I do, I do because the Father told me how to do it. I follow what the Father says, and now we see the heart of the Father because here He is walking among the people again, and He's loving on them, and He's healing them, and He's restoring them, and He's raising them from the dead. And here He is showing what He's always wanted to do. And then He decides the way to do it is God-man must die. He must feel the separation that Adam and Eve felt. And here is Jesus on the cross who's never been separated at all from the Father. All of a sudden feels that separation. He's that naked one that's hiding in the bushes. And he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he goes and pays the penalty. He goes down into hell. He goes down and deals with the penalty that we should have paid. It says that God pours his wrath. He pours everything out upon his son. But he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay in that. It says that he was raised. We see Jesus as he's talking to his disciples in Luke 8, sorry, in Luke 9, 22. And Jesus said, the son of man must suffer many things. He suffers many things so that you can succeed in many things. He must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed, but on the third day, he'll be raised to life. We see in Mark 16, 6, that after Jesus has died, he's taken off the cross and he's buried, 
that they put him in a tomb and although there's these words that have been spoken that he's going to raise again from the dead on a third day that these men and women that are committed to Jesus, they go back to the last place that they saw them. They go back to the grave and, and, and they go sorrowfully because they think it's over. He, he said stuff before in my life, but, but it's dead now. The, the marriage is ruined. The, the, the health isn't working. There's, there's death in this situation. And, and I'll just go back to where God last met me. But the thing is, they go back in the wrong attitude because there's an angel that's sitting there where there once was death and he's declaring to the people in Mark 16, 6, but he said to them, do not be alarmed. Why do all angels say that? Don't be afraid. I've never seen one, but I'm pretty sure I'd be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He has risen from the dead. He's no longer in this tomb. He told you that a long time ago. He was raised. He came out victorious. We see in Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. In Ephesians 2, 5-7, it says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, even at that moment where we were the worst of the worst, where we had Adam's genealogy inside of us, and we walk around doing whatever we want, struggling, trying to figure it out. At that moment, He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come He might show us His exceeding riches. What type of God do we serve if it was me, I would send my third best son to die on the cross and take care of a couple of y'all, and then, you know, hey, I mean, I did a lot for you. You're not going to hell. Like, calm down. If it was me or if it was humanity, but no, God being so good, being so loving, he says, I want to give you more. When it's, when it's enough, when it's get me, just, just let me get to heaven, I'll be happy to not burn for the rest of my life. He says, no, once you get there, I'm going to show you exceeding riches. I'm going to show you more. I'm going to, where sin abounded, grace so much more abounded. What if, if, it just amazes me, because if I was God, I would be like, you know what, why don't you just spend like a week in hell? Once you die, you're going to spend a week in hell, and then I'll bring you to heaven. That, that'll be fun, you know, let's just even it out a little bit, you know, you did some stupid stuff. You know what, spend an hour in hell, just, you know, taste and see that hell's no good. And he had every right to put parameters and, and put things that he could make it better for him, but he doesn't do that. He sends his one and only son to die for us and to pay the penalty for us. And he brings him back to life and he says, because my son was buried, now everyone else can rise with him. Yeah. Everyone else can come back to life. Jesus in John 3 is sitting there with the religious leaders at the time and he's saying you must be born again and they have no idea what he's saying. It's so foreign to the people that have studied this word and made it a life for them as they scour the book looking for the prophecies of the one to come. He says if you truly want to live, you must be born again. 
they can't even understand, they can't even fathom the love that the God that they've seen throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament that's killing everyone and, and not really happy at a lot of times, that all of a sudden there's a father? You're calling him father? You're calling him daddy? That wants to take care of me? That wants to raise me from where I'm at? Over the last couple years, since I've moved up here, um, I've decided that I guess a stress reliever for me is to bake and, and make random things, mainly because I'm a chocoholic, and I'll admit it, it's the first step, um, admitting you have an issue. If I could eat it at every meal, I would, you know, grate it on a pizza, put it on a burger, you know, put it in some milk, I will devour chocolate. So I've been making different cookies and pies and brownies and just different things to, to see what I can do, and it just causes me to not have to think about other things. But there's a frustration that happens in my life when I get to baking, and, and maybe it's true in your life as well, um, is when you put the, the cookies in the oven, and, and they have to do this simple thing. It, it's so simple, but but they just won't do it. They just have to raise. They just, they just have to go up. Just, just go up a little bit. You, don't, you just don't mess up and just, just, raise, just raise a little bit. And so I find myself with my face pressed against the oven, crying and yelling at the oven, uh, just, just go up, just, just raise. Just, just please raise. And as my wife tries to pull me away from the oven as I sob, they just won't raise. They just, they just won't do it. If you've been here for uh, any time, um, especially if you're a woman, for the different women events, I've made these, these French cookies called macaroons, and, and, and there's this just tedious process that you don't know if you've succeeded in making the cookies until um, you've placed them in the oven, and, and you turn the light on, and, and you pull them out, and they raise. Um, the taste is there. You can't really mess up the taste, but these cookies are all about presentation. And sometimes they don't raise, sometimes they crack, sometimes they fall apart, uh, sometimes they are a jumbled mess and they just can't succeed in life and they just so much frustrate me that I just don't understand why they won't raise because I did everything right, I put the process in, I, I worked it as best I could, I, I, I did all the ingredients, I did everything I could possibly do, but no matter what, they won't raise up. They crack, they fail. Sometimes they work. And that is how we sometimes view our life. Because there was a man that died on a cross 2,000 years ago that kicked death, hell, and grave in the teeth and came out victorious. And if he's successful and he raised up in life, then you can be raised up as well in your life. Because we look back and we think, well, I've read my Bible, I've gone to church, I've given, I've done all these things, and my finances are still messed up. This relationship is still failing. I'm still sick, I'm not being healed, but I'm telling you right now that God has already raised you from the dead because if his son came out of the tomb, then that means you have already come out of the situation that is happening in your life because he's raised you. He's brought you up higher than you've ever been before. He's raised you. The next part of the verse, it says that he loosed you. He loosed us from the pain of death. And that word loosed means unfastened, to overthrow, to no longer be bound with chains. 
And lastly, to declare unlawful. That when Jesus died on the cross and said it was finished, he declared that the pain of death was unlawful. Now we've all had some type of pain in our lives. Well, we thought that it was possible that we might die. We've all had that moment where we thought, well, I'm not going to make it. It's not going to happen. Usually it's me when I'm baking. (laughs) My life's over. Cookies won't rise. Sorry, honey, I failed you. Son, your dad is, he needs to be shunned. He's no longer a man. (laughs) We've all had those moments where we've experienced some type of pain of death. It says in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, it's one thing to deliver us from the power of darkness. Thank you. Amen. I appreciate it. No longer dark. I'm light. That's great. But it baffles me that God is so good that he takes us out of that darkness and he's moved us into a kingdom that we were never allowed to be a part of as Gentiles, that we were never allowed to be anywhere near. That God said, you know what? I want to have such a relationship with you. I want to restore that so much. I want to restore it more than what you can even imagine, that he's taking us out and he's putting us in a kingdom that now we have the full benefits. We have the full blessings. We have every opportunity and access to walk boldly into his throne room, ask him for anything, and it says if we ask him in his name, he'll give it to us. Because he's loosed us from the power of darkness. Not only did he loose you, he brought you to a new place. He placed you in a place that you weren't allowed to be in. There's been a couple times that we've gone, me and my wife, to different restaurants. And I'm from Louisiana, so I'm not the most classiest of people. You know, our restaurants aren't the classiest. You know, we have, we have newspaper on tables and, you know, a couple uh, park benches, and, and we'll open a restaurant. And there's been some places where I've, I've walked into restaurants or I've walked into places, and I'm like, oh, not supposed to be here. This is awkward. Don't want to open my mouth because I know I'll say something stupid. Don't want to do anything. And then you just sit down. They have the 47 forks and spoons and knives, and you're just like, oh, man. And they just keep bringing you stuff. And they're like, oh, here's another knife. And I'm like, I didn't use the last one, so I don't know why you brought me another one, but I appreciate it. Um, here's another spoon. I, it's, the other spoon's perfect. But it just feels so weird and uncomfortable in some of the places that I've been before because I didn't feel like I belonged. But that's not how God works. He didn't bring the Gentiles into his kingdom and then make them feel weird. Say, well, you can, you can get like healed, but like later on. You can be restored. You can be loved. Like, but I, I love... He gave you full access to everything. He opened it up and said, whatever I have is yours which then makes me just want to open my heart and say, whatever I have is yours. Take it now. Take all the junk. Give me whatever you want. We see in Colossians 2, 14 through 15, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. 
that he utterly defeated death, hell, and the grave. Embarrassed them. Made a show of them. Made it so obvious when Satan thought, I have him right where I want him. I completely shut it down. I've worked my plan to perfection. Everything is right where it needs to be. And Jesus said, you don't even know what's about to happen. You have no idea what's about to be unleashed upon this earth. He said, because if I go, I'm sending the comforter to my people, and they will have the power. And this gospel that I have brought, this message that I have brought, in it is the power to overtake and overcome anything that tries to come against us in this world. We see in John 8, 34-36, Jesus answered them, saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you are at that moment free indeed. Completely set free. He has loosed you from pain. He's loosed you from death. We've all encountered the pain of death in some aspect of our life, and you might be going through that now, where you have a certain circumstance going on in your life, and you think, I'm not going to make it. It's not, it's not possible for this marriage to thrive. It's not possible for my finances. It's not possible for me as a human being to survive anymore. These insecurities, this depression, this whatever, I can't make it anymore because the pain is too much. Whenever we moved up here, me and my wife, we, um, we were here for about a year or two, and Maddie got pregnant. And she was working, and I was working another job, but they didn't have insurance, and I needed to find another job that um, could, could provide insurance for me and my wife and the kid. And uh, so we, I, I quit one job, and I said, you know what? God is good. He's going to provide. He's going to show up. Quit on a Friday. I'll get a job on Monday. God's going to show up. And, uh, and so we start walking through this journey, and um, I ended up getting a job 10 months later. Now, for those who think that's not a big deal, when you have bills and you don't have money for 10 months, uh, you, you have some conversations with God uh, privately, where I was experiencing what I thought at that moment was the pain of death. Because I would walk into my shower, turn the water on, and me and God would have some face-to-face conversations. Uh, me and Pastor Eric had quite a few conversations. <laughs> Heather as well. She was very helpful in those times. <laughs> and I mean that seriously. Because I was going through something where I thought, God, I'm in your will. I moved up here because you told me to. I married the woman that you've placed in my life. Now you're giving us a son. We're in the direct path that you're supposed to be in. And we're going the right way. And we have no money at all. We, we have no money, there's no prospects, nobody's calling, I'm throwing out job applications all over the place, and, and nobody wants to hire me. I mean, I'm putting glamour shots in there, I mean, I'm doing all kind of stuff, uh, putting like candy bars, I'm like, everybody loves chocolate, um, but I guess it melted by the time it got there. Uh, and I'm having these conversations with God, and I'm saying, where are you? Because this, this isn't fun right now. I'm standing on all these scriptures and I really need you to show up. For some reason, Pastor Eric keeps sending me up there to do offering, and I have no money to give. And he keeps sending me up there, and I have to keep standing up in front of the people and saying that God likes to provide for his people. And, and we need to talk about this, God. And, I, and in those moments, and, and maybe I'm, I'm the only one, because nobody else in first service agreed with me, so it just might be me, that, that has these pains of death 
when you have these conversations with God and you think, I, I need you to show up and, and we need to talk about this. But in those moments, when I look back at it, for 10 months, basically, where no money was coming in from a job, my bills were always paid. There was always gas in my car and I always had food on the table for me and my family. And in those moments of me in the shower, sometimes I would raise my fist and say, what are you doing? And then I would break down and think, but you're still providing. You're still showing up somehow, some way. That people are still standing with me and talking with me, and miracle after miracle after yes. miracle would happen. Somehow there was enough money to pay the bills. And in this moment now, he's loosed me from the pain of death that I felt for those 10 months. Because all of a sudden, I know that he's a good God. And I knew that before, and you know that now. But the emotions in those moments of when you get that diagnosis, when you look at that credit card, when you look at that bill, when, when, when the spouse walks out the door, when the kid is doing what the kid's doing, and you say, God, I need you to show up. He said, I already have. He said, because I raised you. And because I raised you, I've already loosed you from the pain of death. Yeah. And there's no pain that I haven't already experienced, that I've already gone through, that I've already taken on my back, that I've already taken on that cross, that has allowed you to now step into the full plan that God has for you. Whenever I was a junior and senior in college, uh, I got my degree in criminal justice, and I thought that was the, the route that I was taking. And... Um, I was a prison guard for two years, and um, I was telling the earlier service that, that my nickname in prison was Cheerio Slim because all the guards said that I could hula hoop in a Cheerio, and they were really scared of me. Um, and so, you know, all the time they'd be like, hey, uh, you know, Officer Slim, Slim, Cheerio Slim. There was a lot of respect that was given to me um, there as well. And, and it was always interesting interacting with these people because at the end of the day they are human beings that have a heart that have a soul that have a destiny that God has for them and there were some people that treated them like the trash that they had done instead of treating them as the person that they should be and so I tried in those moments to to talk with them and it was always interesting to to walk with somebody when they were coming out of jail when they were finally getting released. And it usually wasn't that big of a deal when you were dealing with people that had been in jail for a couple hours. You know, some college kid getting a DWI or getting in a fight and somebody bonded them out and they're out in a couple hours. So we'd always walk, you know, there'd be this walk. We'd take them, give them their clothes back, give them their property back, sign a whole bunch of papers, and uh, then we'd, we'd bring them out to the lobby to let them go. And in those moments, we would always try and talk with these offenders or these people and say, you know, did you like it here? Most of the time the answer was no. Most of the time. Some people like coming back. Did you like it here? No, no, it's the worst place I've ever been. I don't know how you even work here. The smells, the, the people, the, 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 just the, the things that happen in there. I don't know how, how anybody survives that. Are you ever going to come back? No, no, I'm never, I'm never coming back. And they'd walk out and they would meet whoever was coming to bond them out. But it was, uh, it was different when we interacted with someone who had been in jail for a long time. 
who had been there for a year, two years, five years, ten years. It was amazing to see the joy that they were experiencing as they were being loosed from their bondage. It's like you couldn't contain them. You couldn't hold them back. These grown men are running and skipping and crying and laughing as they're being let go and being released from something that has held them back for so long. And they walk out and you talk with them and you encourage them and say, hey man, I don't want to see you again. I'd rather see you out in the streets than see you here. Never coming back, never coming back. And their family would be there, hopefully their family would be there to embrace them and welcome them back to humanity, welcome them back to hopefully a fruitful life. And you see, we were all locked up in a jail cell at one time in our lives. And there was a man by the name of Jesus Christ who opened that door. And he told you that you were free. And as you walked out of that jail cell, he walked in. And he paid a penalty that you should have been paying at that moment. And he loosed you from perversion. He loosed you from sin. He loosed you from hell. He loosed you from things that you never should have been loosed from. And he paid the penalty for that when you should have paid it, when you should have stayed there, when you should have dealt with it. He said, you will no longer have to experience the pain of death because I have loosed it from you and it is now unlawful for any Christian to experience the pain of death ever again. And if you latch onto that, if you receive that today, freedom starts because that last verse, the last part of the verse says, it's not possible that he should be held by it. It's not possible that he should be held by it. It's not possible by you to be held by sin anymore. It's not possible for you to experience the pain of death. It's not possible for you to be dead in your life anymore. There is no way that you can fail ever again because you've already overcome. And it's something that we all have to walk through and it's something that we all have to digest and learn that I have overcome. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58, it says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, because before God, death, it did have victory. And it did have a sting, but thanks be to God that He had a plan for us to overcome, that He had a plan for us to win who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be standfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Everyone here is needed. Everyone here in the sound of my voice is needed to make this kingdom thrive in this world. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a plan. And you can't accomplish that plan completely if you're going to be stuck with the pains of death and understanding that, well, I guess I'm just going to die in this situation. No, we have to be immovable. We have to understand that the victory of God has so taken over our lives that we can no longer fail in any aspect of our lives. Because it says in John 16 through 33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulations. We know that it rains on the just and the unjust. We know that bad things happen to good people. We know we can get caught up in things. But Jesus says, for I've already overcome the world. He said, I was raised up 
And if, you were ra- if I was raised up, then you can come out of this situation. I already loosed you from the pain of death because I've experienced pain all the way to death and even after. And you no longer have to experience it because it's not possible for you to fail anymore. And we see in the last verse of Revelation 12, 11, it's talking about humanity and heaven and Jesus overcoming Satan. If you read verse 12, it's just this amazing description of Satan and the dragon and this battle that's happening. And it says how they overcame this attack of Satan throughout their lives. And in this moment, John seeing into the future of this massive crowd of humanity, he's seeing at the end of time that Satan's already been defeated, he's been thrown away, and it's like there's this conversation. Well, how'd they overcome Satan? How'd they overcome life? Because the people that they're talking about are you and me in the future, and I'm here to tell you that in heaven there is no time and eternity has already happened and you've already overcome. You've already overcome that sickness. You've already overcome that disease. You've already overcome that failure. You've already overcome that insecurity. You are already seated in the place that God has for you and you've already won. You've already been raised. You've already been loosed because you've overcome by the blood of the Lamb. The blood has already been shed. Therefore, game over, set, match, you've already won. Well, how do I operate that in my life? It's the next part. The word of our testimony. It's the word of our testimony. People think that a testimony is something that I've come out of. Well, I used to be a a big old sinner, and now I'm not. That's my testimony. And that is a part of it. But your testimony is also what you're declaring about your future. Because your testimony is where you're going. Your testimony is where you're going. I'm not staying here. I mean, I am staying here, but figuratively. I'm not staying in this sickness. I'm not staying in this disease. I'm not staying in this failure, this insecurity. I'm not staying in this anymore because the words of my testimony is I am already healed. Jesus' stripes paid too big of a price for me to walk in this sickness anymore. So therefore, my future testimony is I am healed. He paid too big of a price on the cross for me to walk in debt anymore, so therefore he was made poor so that I might through him be made rich, that he's already given me the power to obtain wealth, that I will not walk in disease, sickness, failure, or anything anymore, because it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, at that moment they shall be saved, so I will overcome. I've already overcome, because look at where I'm at now, but I will overcome by the word of my testimony. So family, I don't know what you're going through, but he's raised you. He's already raised you. He's already brought you out of that. I don't know what hurts and pains you're going through, but I want you to know it's not your burden to bear. You can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you, and because he cares for you, he already loosed you from the pains of death. And finally, it's not possible It's not possible for you to fail. If it's not possible for Jesus to fail, it's not possible for you to fail. Because we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness that's already cheering us on and already looking into heaven and eternity and saying they made it. They overcame. They survived. It might suck right now, but I'm telling you right now, you're going to survive. You're coming out of it. God's moving. God's working. God's showing up. And you will. And you already have overcome by the blood of the Lamb 
and we Amen. will overcome by the word of our testimony. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that you've blessed us when you could have done so many other things. You decided to send your son to pay such a price for us and that we don't have to experience the pain, torture, frustration that Jesus went through. But you poured all of your wrath on him so that we can receive all of the love back. At the end of the day, you just want to have a relationship with us. You want to laugh with us. You want to cry with us. You want to love us. You want to hug us. You want to see us succeed and bring us to a place that we've never been before. Father, I thank you for everyone here that you have a purpose and a plan for them. And it's not that they should fail. It's not that they should lose. It's not that they should die. It's not that they should be seen as unsuccessful. So, Father, I thank you right now for everyone here that you're ministering to them, that you're having that relationship with them, that you're coming down at the cool of the day to spend time with each and every one of us. And you just want to talk to us. You just want to encourage us. You just want to remind us that Jesus already paid the price, that that tomb is empty. Jesus is no longer there. He's raised and seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's reminding the Father, I'm alive. You raised me, so therefore you're going to raise my, my children. You're going to raise that son. You're going to raise that daughter. You're going to bring her out of this. You're going to bring him out of this. And that Jesus in heaven is no longer experiencing pain because you've loosed him from the pain of death. And God, at this moment, there are people here that have hurting hearts. They have troubled minds that are trying to figure out, how am I going to overcome this? How am I going to survive this? How am I going to wake up and go to that job? How am I going to call that person? How am I going to do this? Father, remind them that you've loosed them from that pain. You've You've released them from the pain of death. Father, remind us now that it's not possible that we can fail. It's not possible because you've already overcome. You've overcome everything. You've overcome the world. That's what you said. And if you've overcome the world and we're in this world, there's nothing that can hold us back anymore. Father, I thank you that I'm standing in a room full of people that stand up and are determined that it is not possible to fail anymore. That it's not possible for them to struggle anymore. That it's not possible to deal with with this or that issue anymore and that they stand up and they remind themselves and they remind their situation I have already overcome i am already succeeded I've already overcome because that blood that was spilled 2,000 years ago and I reaffirm that blood that was spilled by declaring the words of my testimony that God is good that God wants to do good things to his people and that God wants to do good things to me individually Thank you for these people, that you've blessed them, you've encouraged them, and you're moving in their midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.